0: It's good to have everybody tonight. I hope you're here uh to praise the Lord and, and and to press in and worship and and just get a hold of God. You know, we're here we we do this about once a year where we have a Sons of Thunder type conference and it, we kind of lean it toward leaders. Uh and that's that's why we have people like uh Dr. Nelson in. Uh but that don't mean you can't get in and get some of it cuz he brings it uh it makes you think. Anybody remember? Was it Shufu? Shufu, y'all remember that last time he was here? You want to explain? It? Shufu is a, a shoot of food. It's a partnership. It's a partnership with God, and uh, I mean, those are things that you that you want somebody that knows what it says in the original to bring it to you, and, and they can deposit something in you, and that's what he's here for, to make deposits in leaders. And and people come in like him, Oh, and they can teach old dogs new tricks. Some of us can't receive from anybody that's like us. But, buddy, when somebody like that comes in, you can't help but receive it. And we'll know each other after the flesh if we don't watch out, but you just can't do it. When he starts bringing it out of the original scroll and laying it on you and, <laughs> and your heart goes, oh, glory to God, you know, and just, it's like somebody taking, you know, water or melted snow from Mount Hermon and just putting it in an old dry heart, you know, something that's just fresh, it's fresh for us. And so that's why we lean it toward leaders and uh, I want the leaders to be refreshed uh, sometimes we lean in and, and we, we want everybody to be refreshed, but sometimes we don't focus on leaders. And I like I like it for it to be a, a continuing education thing every year. Uh, doctors have it. Lawyers have it. Why don't preachers see the need to have continuing education? You know, it creates redundancy in us. And we start comparing ourselves among ourselves. So it's, I think it's important. Uh, for us, for we pastors and associate pastors and all the 5 ministry to have some fresh oil thrown on us. Uh, and I, that's what he's here for. So I hope that's what you're here because cause I, I got mine last night. I, I got two hours after church. I got two hours during lunch today and had just a good time. And I've learned a lot this trip. So I'm going to ask uh, Billy Bob Birmingham, Pastor Billy Bob Birmingham, if he will pray for me. Father God, we thank you that this is your word coming forth, bringing life and truth to us, Father God, and reviving us from that old, dead, stale parts that we have, Father God, making us alive unto God through Jesus. We just ask you to bless Dr. Nelson and the worship and everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh!
1: If you're part of the Hope Fellowship and your pastor recognizes you as a prophet in your church, we invite you, if you have a word you feel like you have for the body, that you come up here and be able to give it over the mic.
2: actually have three words. And I'm gonna say them slow so I can get them all out. Cause it's hard when you have three words to get them all out. Sometimes you get them twisted up. The first word that I have, I know some of y'all been a little dry in this place right now, if you'll be honest. The father said, only thing you have to do is reach out and touch the flame, and I will fear you and overflow you. The um second word is for the church, and you're gonna to have to uh, don't judge this word because I want to judge when God gave it to me, but I had to listen to the whole word because the sign, the sign kind of like I'm going against the word, but I'm not. If you listen to the whole thing, you'll you'll realize what God's saying. This is for this church. The father say, no more visitation. I want to come in. I want to inhabit this place. That's why I'm coming in. I will drill inside this place. So when people come in, they will feel my presence all over this place. You won't have to usher me in no more because I will already be here. And um, Amelia, where you at? And Rachel, do y'all want the word public or private? I can't hear you. All right, Rachel. Hey, both of y'all have to agree on this word, Amelia. Do y'all want a public or private? Do you want this word public or private? All right. I don't know what daughter that you have, what one of your daughters it is, but you know there's been something going on with her. She's been asking you questions about the spirit realm, been asking you about God been asking you questions about spiritual stuff the father say don't worry about her because I'm raising her up to be a mighty per warrior this is what this world needed at this time
1: down here?
3: the Lord says there's foolishness in this house and I say to you Put away the foolish things. Now is the time to take me more seriously than you ever have. Every step that you take, it needs to be uh, ordered by me. Benjamin, I had a vision of the enemy just taking a bucket of cold water and he just threw it all over you. And you were just shocked. And the Lord says that the enemy has has poured this water on you, and he's trying to stop what God wants to do in your life. And you just keep pressing on and pressing on and do what you know is right to do. And guard your heart. Don't let offense come in, okay? You know that, but put your guard up. got a word raise
1: your
4: hand there's someone here and I see you driving down an asphalt road this road is newly paved and you're going down this road and you're so happy and so excited and all of a sudden the road just stops it doesn't go to the left it doesn't go to the right and there's no sign of any road being cut through And the Lord says, I've caused your road to stop right there. And he says, I'm getting your attention. I'm getting your attention. And the Lord says, don't do what is right in your own eyes. Don't try to cut through your own road. But stop right there and wait for me. Be still and know that I am God. Don't move. Because you have a plan and your plan is not going to work. You stop right where you are, and you wait on me.
5: During the worship time, I saw flames at the altar. So the Lord was showing me that um, he's prepared it, and what he wants is for people to offer themselves on the flames, on the flaming altar, and that when people offer themselves as living sacrifices... That he will be able to put his finger on the thing that's impure and deal with it.
1: Sorry, Chris.
6: I hear the Lord saying tonight that you want to see a move. You want to see me manifest my presence then I need to be your best friend, not just your friend. And the Lord would say tonight that that he wants to move in our midst. He wants to do mighty things through us. But he's waiting on us to engage and to be his friend. Not just his friend, but his best friend. He's waiting on us, y'all. It's not for lack of his power. It's not for lack of him being willing to do what he does. But we need to come to the point where he's our best friend. And there's some here tonight that wonder why you're having a hard time with relationships here on this earth. The Lord would say tonight that when he's your best friend, you won't have a
7: problem with relationships. I had a dream um, one night last week, and now I know I'm supposed to share it with the uh, with the church. It was about this airplane. I was in this airplane, and I was in it, and it was several other people in it. But the airplane was too small, and and then it was. It seemed like it was some people outside of the airplane trying to clean clean the airplane, and that's what Father God's saying tonight. He want to cleanse some hearts. Some hearts need to be cleansed. A lot of times we listen and listen to the enemy's voice instead of listening to Father God's voice. He want to cleanse our hearts, and he wants us to draw us closer to, he, to him. We can be as close to him as we want to be. And that you get there by spending time with him, by seeking his face, seeking to really, really know him. Not his hand, but his face. And that's what he's saying to us, y'all. Draw closer. The time is near. Draw closer. And he want to cleanse some hearts. The airplane was going all kinds of ways, different ways. And he don't want us running here and there and looking for a word. I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. He want us to get that word from him. Amen.
1: You know, I saw a vision of someone. It's like their heart is in pieces. And you have... Pasted tape across to try to hold it all together, and you think you've got it hidden, and you think nobody can see it, and that people will think you're okay. But God says that if you will give that to Him, He can take those pieces and put them together just like they had never been broken apart.
4: The Lord is saying that we've turned a corner. We've turned a corner. And this is a season where you can't just go do what you want to do. you got to have a word from the Lord about your vacation, when to take it, where to go, how to go. But that's my vacation. No, you are not your own. You are not your own. You are bought with the blood, and you don't, you don't belong to yourself. And the Lord said, "It's not the time to just get in your car and go and do what you want to go and do, but it's a time to seek me and walk in strict obedience, says the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. It's a new day, yes. It's a new season. Yes, yes.
8: <clears throat> Lord says, "I wrote in my word, be not de- de- be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, he also reaps. And He says, "I wrote that to my children. Mm-hmm. He says, "What are you sowing?" What do you want changed? If you want change, then you know to start sowing grace and love and truth. Those are the things that bring change. And if you do not sow those things, those things will not change.
3: Foolishness is saying, I can do what I want to do. When I want to do it, how I want to do it. And the Lord says, I am putting my finger on foolishness today. The things that you've gotten away with, you will not get away with any longer because the foolishness in a child needs to be stopped. And the Lord says, I love you, I love you, I love you, but I am warning you, foolishness needs to be bound up. Your house, I saw God changing things Uh, You need to, furniture was being moved around. I don't know, you may get a whole new set of furniture. But then he could be talking about the furniture in your house, in your temple. And the Lord says, just invite him in. And a package is coming in the mail for you.
5: Um, I, I feel like the Lord is saying that he is, there is a communication, there is a sound, there's things that he is wanting to share. And it's like, he said, it's like a radio, like when you're out of frequency and, and the Lord is speaking and speaking and speaking. And the Lord says, some of you, you take what he says and you're interpreting it through your own soul, you're interpreting it through self-will, you're interpreting it through deception. Oh, God said this, and God said that, and God said, you're not even on the same frequency. It's like someone uh, speaking Spanish, and someone trying to interpret what the Spanish, you know, what they said, and you don't even know Spanish. The Lord says, you are, you're not, you can't interpret what I'm saying unless you change the dial. You've got to get into a place of heart, a place of intimacy, a place of vulnerability with him, like you and him and say, what exactly are you trying to get to me? God has an agenda, but it, You know we're not we're not on the same wavelength. That's what I hear him saying. You've got to turn the dial so that you can actually know what he's saying. Some of some have even taken. Well, God said do this or that. You didn't even you're you're not interpreting right. So you got to go back to the drawing board. You got to go back to the secret place. Back to the place of relationship, back to the place of heart-to-heart, back to the place of foundation, and say, what, is, what do me and you really have, Lord, and what is that based on? What do I believe? And what do I believe about us? And then the Lord says, then you can, then you can hear what I'm saying, and then you'll know what to do with it because it's a proper understanding. Your heart understands what he's speaking to you. I hear the Lord saying to reestablish a culture of honor in your bodies. Specifically, I heard deacons and elders. I heard the Lord say, be very careful how you represent your your pastors, your apostles to the sheep who come to you wounded. And to be very careful of statements like, I'm sure they didn't mean to hurt you, but he said, "Don't, don't use those statements. You're wounding that sheep further. Take them to the scriptures about what honor looks like. And the second thing I heard the Lord say is to reestablish the purity because once the honor goes, the purity will follow it.
1: You know, Morgan, I felt, I heard the Lord say that you operate in the background, that you are the helper, <clears throat> that you're the one that nobody sees, but you fill that space and that <clears throat> He's really pleased with you, and that it's time that you can ask, and it'll be given.
8: Woo.
1: Anybody else?
5: I don't know who it's for, um, but I feel like the Lord wants to speak to a situation. I felt
8: like I heard the Lord say, I did not put the brakes on. Um, I just wanted to talk to you about breakthrough. I just, I've been living there for a while. And I wanted to share something you with in the scripture because there's a part that we play in the breakthrough that we have with the Lord. It says in 2 Samuel 5 and 19, And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up unto the Philistines, and wilt thou deliver me into my, or will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. And then it says, And David came to this place, Belperazim, and David smote them there and said, The Lord has broken forth upon my enemies before my face as the breach of waters. And therefore, David named that place Belperazim, I want to say something. It says that David named that place. It literally means he marked a post in that place and made God's fame and glory with the name the Lord of the breakthrough or the owner of the breakthrough or the master of the breakthrough. He said, "Where my enemies came into break in on me, God came back and he broke in on my my enemies." God came back and did it. And David, David was the one to declare. It says he proclaimed. That means he proclaimed, he prophesied, he spoke out, and he established that place as the place of the breakthrough. And I'm telling you tonight, because there's a greater thing that comes in this next scripture, but you have to go to that place where the enemy has broke through. You have to go to that place of the threshold where that that spirit of Leviathan is coming and you feel like you're fixing to get it in the spirit and all of a sudden you get this heavy smackdown, and you feel like, man, I can't lift my head. I cannot move. But I'm telling you, you have to keep inching forward. In the spirit. You just got to keep taking a little bit of ground. A little bit of ground. And you got to keep telling the devil where his place is. And you keep moving. And you keep calling that place. This is the place of breakthrough. The Lord of the breakthrough is with me. I call this place the master. The owner of breakthrough. And you don't let the enemy steal anything from you. It says and there. Now Listen. Here's what the enemy will do, it says. And there they left their images and their idols. And David and his men burned them. Listen to me. Whatever the opposition is that the enemy is bringing to you, when you begin to declare God as the Lord of the breakthrough, your enemies, what they have against you they'll throw them down at your feet and say man i lost this battle and you'll get to carry it away that's what the scripture says you'll get to carry it away and burn it
5: i just heard god say one uh, sentence statement yesterday and it's from song of solomon too that the winter has passed and the time of singing has come the springtime has come
0: As the David of this house, in the name of Jesus, I call forth breakthrough in your life. The enemy has sought to break in on you, and we will break in on him in Jesus' name. He is the Lord of our breakthrough in Jesus' name. And we will ride his coattails, we'll hang on to his chariot, we'll fly with him. But we break through tonight in Jesus' name. I make declaration based on the prophetic word, and will you agree with me? Agree out loud in Jesus' name.
3: Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know your name with the flower shirt. Uh, the Lord says you, that you have been through a wilderness and you're coming out. And the Lord says, remember, in the wilderness was murmuring and complaining. When you come out, you have the joy of the Lord. It is your strength. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're
7: done.
0: Thank y'all. These are prophetic voices from several of our churches for you visitors that we think lots of. We don't know them after the flesh. Glory to God. It's all right. Glory to God. Well, we are on our second night. I'm excited. Uh, Dr. Nelson is back with us. He's got a word for us. He's in the overflow. He had a nap today. He's ready to rumble. So y'all welcome Dr. Ed Nelson back.
9: What a joy to be with you. And to enjoy you. Now, this wire is just hanging loose. So, if you don't mind it, I'll just stand behind the pulpit until I move away. (laughs) The wire is going to be outside. All right. I just dawned on me I didn't have my wire on. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His name is marvelous. We have come to hear his word. But we have come to honor His Word. We have come to give Him glory and honor that He deserves. That is our privilege to do. Let me just begin by saying this. Deficit happens to everybody. There is no one without deficit in their lives. If you have it all together... With no deficit, it won't last long. Because deficit is as natural to humanity as breathing. It's not the fun part of life. But it is life. It's been that way since the third chapter of Genesis. When sin was entertained by our original parents, and ever since then, we have struggled with deficits in our lives. Things don't go right anymore. If you're going right, someone near you is not. And if you like your job, there's somebody with you at that same job site that doesn't like their job. There is something about human nature that has an insatiable appetite, and the more it consumes, the less we're satisfied, because we're looking for something we cannot touch, cannot find, cannot appropriate in our lives. But let me begin in the beginning. Now, you, if you've heard me speak enough, always I go back to Genesis 1 and 2. I don't avoid that. I don't apologize for always starting in Genesis. Because Genesis, even if I use a scripture way over in the other parts of the Bible, I will go back to Genesis. Because everything in the Bible flows out of the first two chapters. There is nothing that, from chapter 3 on to the book of Revelation that is not somehow embedded in concept in the first two chapters. As a matter of fact, it begins with the creation of heaven and earth, and the book of Revelation ends with a new creation of a new heavens and earth. Everything portends, everything moves to the Bible on the heaven and earth, heavens and earth with a cosmic picture of reality. So I want to begin there tonight, and I want to just go on a journey with you and begin to explore these texts and follow where they lead. Because you can go anywhere in the Bible from these two chapters. But I want to begin by showing you something unique in the scriptures. And if you've been around my teachings long enough, you already know these. Because I always tell this, almost every place I go. And I do it for years. When I'm pastoring, they all know it. I told someone last night after the meeting that, Genesis 1.1, I spoke on that, well, that in the first chapter of Genesis through chapter 2, verse 4, for nine months one time to my congregation where I was pastoring. He said, don't you have anything else to say? Well, that, if you can get that part done, you can begin to understand the rest. And so, how can you spend that much time? Well, you can do it easily on just Genesis 1.1. Seven words in Hebrew: Bereshit, Bara, Elohim, Et, Meishamaim, Det, Haaretz. Seven words in Hebrew, but ten words in your English language. That tells you that English does not translate Hebrew very well. And those seven words so unique that they are so full of meaning that when Matthew starts his gospel. In Matthew 1.1, in Hebrew, he says, Zephyr Told Dot Yeshua Hamashiach bin David bin Avraham in Hebrew. But in English it's more letters. But in Hebrew it's seven words. What Matthew is doing is getting the attention of the Jewish readers who speak Hebrew, reading the Hebrew gospel of Matthew, saying, this is as important as Genesis 1-1. And it says, this is the, I mean it in English, this is the scroll, this is the book of the genealogy of Yeshua, of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. But seven words in Hebrew. Don't you think it's important to understand that when God is speaking and He uses these hints and allusions, He's taking you back to a greater truth and reality about the Messiah who was there at the beginning. And one of the things I'm going to show you here is a division between the two creation accounts. They'll show you something that if you read Hebrew, it would be obvious to you. But because we don't, it's not so obvious. But it should be even in the English. I will show you. First verse, heavens and earth are mentioned. Okay? Let me. Do you know that chapters and verses are not were were done by Gentiles, and don't reflect the proper context? Do you know that already? Okay. So don't let the. So throw out your chapters. And 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 you can even throw out your verses, but you won't know where to go because they just give us a roadmap to where to plug in. But chapter. But the story of the first creation account does not end with chapter 1. It ends with chapter 2, verse 4. In the middle of chapter 2, verse 4. The first creation account ends. How do I know? First verse. 1-1 one, one says, heavens and earth. This is the record. This is the account. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You'll see it again. After six days of creation, God says, He looked at the heavens and the earth and said, Very good. That's not the end. But then chapter 2, verse 4, it says, This is the account. This actually is the genealogy. Same letters as in Matthew's gospel.'" This is the account of the heavens and the earth. There it is again, heavens and earth. It's the beginning, it's heavens and earth. It bracketed by heavens and earth. But now in the middle of verse 4, it changes. And this is the beginning of the second creation account. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. It's there in English, isn't it? So so in Hebrew, you don't have periods, commas, exclamation points, so you do repetition of Hebrew phrases. It's one of the ways you know where the context begins, where the context ends. And I'm speaking to leaders, I know that. And you've been to school, I know that. And some of you haven't been where your leaders have been, but you're all leaders anyway, you wouldn't be here. So, I'm trying to give you something that you didn't get in Bible school, give you something you didn't get in seminary, and give give you something in order to understand who we are as human beings. So the first one, heavens and earth, is the cosmic view of creation it's got the sequential of days and the Sabbath day. There's no such sequence in chapter 2, verse 4 to the end of the chapter, which is the second creation account. There is no such sequence there. Matter of fact, if you understand Hebrew, it would be called a midrash. A midrash means a commentary. So chapter 2 is a commentary on chapter 1 from the viewpoint of humanity, from the viewpoint of the earth, of humanity. It's not going to follow chronological order. It doesn't have to be, because it's a commentary. It's giving you a way of encapsulating it, a way of seeing creation from a human point of view. The first creation account That has all the order of the days up to the seventh day, the Shabbat, the Sabbath. All of that is God's point of view. Now God's word allows for the human perspective, and it's going to. I'm going to just give you a way of understanding the Bible better. There's a word that we use all the time among pastors, ministers, called theology. Theology means the study of God. How audacious! How, how arrogant! Who came up with that? Man, fallen man, sinful man, came up with that one. The study of God—you put him in a microscope. You're looking from at a telescope. It is foreign to the Bible. That is not a Bible word. You see, it's not how we view God, it's how God views us. And so, chapter 2, verse 4, the second creation account is really the first one, but highlighting three or four things in it to, to give you a perspective. from a human point of view. And and it's God's view too, because sin has not yet entered the world. What would be a better word than theology? (laughs) How about divine anthropology? Think about that. Divine means of God. Anthropology, Anthropology means the study of man. It's God's study of man. Out goes theology. In comes anthropology. God's study of man. And every story in the Bible, everyone is about man's relationship to God and others. And God is going to see how we act. Matter of fact, there's a word in the Bible, in Hebrew, henini. It's got an exclamation point behind it if we could put one there, but Hebrew didn't. So, do it twice sometimes. Hanini, Hanini. And you can say, Behold, here am I. It's only a few times in the Bible. The first one to use it is Abraham. When he's taking his son up to the mountain, and God speaks to to him to take his son up the mountain, Mount Moriah, to offer him. And and, and God speaks and says, Abraham, he says, Hanini. Behold, here am I. You found me. I was trying to get by this one. And you're exposed. And the divine, the holy one, shows up in your midst and speaks, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, Here, Hanini, here am I. And it says God was going to test him and said to him, Abraham. You see, it's anthropology. God's going to see how Abraham acts. And, and, And he's exposed. Again, it shows up when Joseph is called by his dad at 17 years of age and is sent out to his brothers who have been ridiculing him and threatening him and and giving him all kinds of grief. And yet the father, Jacob, says, I want you to go to your brothers. Joseph! Here am I! Another time it occurs is when Jacob is in, uh, his, he is in Canaan. Famine has come. It's very difficult times. Pharaoh's uh, right hand, whose name is Joseph, the son of Jacob, which he does not know who he is. It, it looks like he's an Egyptian now with all the regalia of the king on him. And he's summoned to go, and he goes to Beersheba, and he has to have an inner town. I don't want to go there. And God spoke to him and said, Jacob? And he said, Ah, <laughs> <Inini>? <laughs> Here I am. Well, you go to Egypt. Next time you see it in the Bible is in chapter 3 of Exodus. Guess what the story is about? Moses. And all the people of Israel being persecuted. They're in slavery. He's been on the run as a fugitive for 40 years. He is long gone from the palace. And on the backside of the desert, far off, at the foot of Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, there's a burning bush. It arrests his attention. He stops to look because God's got a plan for him. And he speaks to him, Moshe, Moshe, twice. Moses, Moses. He, he, Here I am. It means you've got to give up. You've got to set aside your plans. And that's where the call of God always comes into our lives. When we have to set aside our plans. And you see, when Adam Was relating to God without sin. There is no Hanini in the text. Behold, here I am. None of that until he sins, and he doesn't say that those words anyway. Where are you? (laughs) Hanini had not yet been invented yet, so he hides. Because there's a human deficit when sin comes in. There's something marred. There's something not right anymore. It doesn't function right. The, the gear shifts don't mesh, mesh properly anymore in your life. So we have this story of these two creation accounts. And God's wants to drill. It's in the wonder of chapter the first chapter, creation account of the cosmic worldview filled with wonder. But now the second creation account is a midrash, a commentary, and it's a a perfect world order at that time for man, but it begins to explain to us our origin. We're in the mind of God. Chapter 1 says we're created in His image and His likeness. That is, we are created in His image as spiritual beings. We're created in his likeness to, get, to bear his attributes in our relationships to him and to others. So there's likeness, there's image. Image is, is the spiritual person. In chapter 1, there is not one thing in there that talks about flesh. Nothing in there about the physicality of man in the first creation account. If you only had the first creation account, you would think of us as only being spiritual beings. But chapter 2, the Midrash, beginning with verse 4, the second creation account gives us the orientation. Out of the earth came vegetation when God created. Notice that there is no light coming forth in chapter 2. It's going to deal with man. Vegetation comes from the dust of the earth. There's a river running through, a stream of water running through. And then in chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, God takes mud out of that river, makes a, a mold of humanity, and he breathed into the nostrils of that inanimate mold of clay and he began to breathe because he gave to it his breath. The breath. And he became a living being. And I can't give you all the Hebrew words. I could, but it won't, it'll it only confuse. It doesn't need to happen right now. Because <laughs> each one of those takes us on a different chase. But we were made out of the dust where the vegetation comes from. So we have in common with the vegetable kingdom dust. And what's next in the story is the creation of the animals. Now you know the sixth day animals came first. They're already, on the fifth day, it finishes. But now, it's not important. This is the Midrash. This is a commentary. Animals were made out of what? Dust. And so the second story, though it's about the spiritual world, I mean the first story, the spirituality of God and the spirituality of us in His image and likeness in His spirituality and in His attributes, The second story tells us of of our origin. God took dust and made us. Physicality. We're the saying dust to dust and ashes to ashes. For we came from dust and to dust our body will return. We have that saying. It's been around for thousands of years. It's 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 what when you in the a life ends, someone is going to even though we try to prolong it with our funerals and we we inject in the bodies anything that can embalm you and preserve you longer. And it's gonna it's gonna go to dust. That body will decay. Uh, I I just saw it today. Um, George Mallory's body was discovered a few years ago on Mount Everest. 19, was it 1922? Well, I forgot when he went up there. But he went up there, and he died. They found his body. And it was well preserved. So a picture of it, hands shriveled up like that. But you can see his back, the skin, everything. Because it depends on where the ice had frozen around it and preserved it or not. But, he, but where, where it was exposed, it was turning to dust. Because it's in common with vegetation, it's in common with animal life, and we, are, we have that commonality. So when, when we, what I'm trying to get to, and we'll eventually get there, is that while we are unique in the image and likeness of God, we share a common earth with the vegetation and with the animal kingdom. Now what makes us separated and different from vegetation Spirit, and what separates us from animals? The breath of God. God did not breathe into the dog and the cat his breath. He caused them to breathe the air that's natural. But he did not give them his breath. Only to us. And when the breath of God comes in into us, something happens unique that does not happen to the others. Anybody, any other animal that tries to do this can imitate it. At least some can sound like they're imitating it, but without the meaning. And if they had a little shadow of meaning to it, they don't have the grasp. And what I'm talking about is what happens when you have the breath of God in you, in your nostrils, in your lungs, and it goes in your larynx, larynx. What happens that makes you unique? You talk. You get speech. You get language. Now, the ancients, the ancient writers, Jewish writers, took chapter 2, verse 6, 7, And they wrote it this way. And I'm trying to find it in my Bible. uh, Verse 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Just like he did the others. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Period. We put the period there, by the way. That's not in the original. Okay. But if you went to the, an ancient book called the Book of Jasher. Anybody ever heard of the Book of Jasher? What, what since today, okay? Uh, <laughs> book of Jasher. Where have you heard from, of it? Well, I taught on it? You did. You taught on the Book of Jasher. What do you tell? Tell me something about it. I did a teaching on. It is written. It is written. Yes. You did a teaching on that. And, and in the Book of Jasher. In the Book of Jasher. Okay? And war stories. War stories and, and, and sagas. Writings. writings. Yes. In chapter one, verse one and two, it gives these scriptures here. I'm reading from the Bible. How old is the book? What is your memory of it? When's, when's the first time it's mentioned in the Bible? It's in the Torah. You think of the Torah? Well, it's not really in the Torah. It's actually in Joshua. It follows it, okay? Judges. It's right in that section. So how old is it? It's old. That's so we need to know. <laughs> it's very old. <laughs> not only does the book of Jasher do this, Yasher in Hebrew, yeah. not only does it do that, but also there is... What is called the Midrash. I just mentioned that, the commentaries. The Jewish commentaries, the ancient, the old Jewish commentaries have the same scriptures as the Bible, but in those days uh, when they were doing commentary, they would just continue on uh, elaborating on the text as if it was part of the original text. They're not adding to it. They're just simply trying to add a line to clarify what took place when the period would go. And so if you're studying the book of Jasher, Or you're studying the the ancient Midrash, Midrashim in plural. You're studying that. It reads this way. Uh, Let's go to verse six. Get up here. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his mouth the breath of life, and man, and the man became a living being. Same, that's out of the Bible endowed with speech is the commentary the most ancient commentaries on this passage written by Jewish people from their oral tradition says that was what was meant the breath of god makes us so unique that we are endowed that is it comes with a comes with the goods we are in our creation from the dust. God does something that, he, that the vegetation doesn't get. They can't talk. He does something animals can't do. They can bark and make animal sounds and try to communicate but they know how and do some form of, of low-level communication, but not articulate it, enunciate it, express, express it, elucidate it. No concepts for it. But well, when you have the breath of God inside of you, and everyone in this room does, whether you honor God or not, you have the breath. And when you die, the breath that breath is going back to God. It belongs to him. When that breath makes you so unique. It has never been matched by the creation of man, even a robot. Has to use the language of a human being to make a sound. You can't manufacture you can't duplicate it exactly the same because it takes breath to do it. So I'm saying to you, in the wonder of all the creation that we have, and the awesomeness of Almighty God, when He made you, He did something awesome. He made you out of the dust, but he put within you his spirituality. and he put his, his breath in you. He animated you. He called you to life and, and he called and you can live it the way you want to.'t it, it comes without batteries. It comes you don't need batteries to make it work. You are unique. He made you. That way to speak so that when you speak, you can speak to him and to each other the very words of God. When you read the letters of Peter, you don't go very far when you begin to read his letters. And he says, when you speak to one another, speak to each other the very words of God. What is he, why is he saying that? Because it's easy not to. It's easier not to speak the words of God. It's easier not to think about controlling your speech. He is saying, let the, and, and the book of James, chapter 3, the tongue is the most unruly member of the body, and but you can control it. If you have the Spirit of God in you to help you overcome your deficit, You can speak without speaking the the very words of fallen man. But you can speak the very words of God. Speech is a difficult thing to imagine. I have a friend, got word today. He's been a missionary for nearly 50 years, his wife. They live in Texas now, they're retired. and they, they discovered a brain tumor. He started dragging his foot, or left foot, right foot, and discovered he had a brain tumor this week. And they announced today that that brain tumor, they thought at front was the frontal lobe, as now it goes all the way to the back lobes, back portion of the brain. He's going to do surgery on Monday. And, they, and the doctor said, he may not be able to speak again. may not be able to walk again. After the surgery. Do you know what we're, what's happening to him in the surgical process? He's a human and he has, the, he has the, the endowment of speech. He has the breath of God, but through an abnormality coming into his brain, affecting him, he's going to lose his ability to be godlike in his speech. But not in his thoughts. He'll still be godlike when he comes out of surgery, but he may not be able to speak again. Speech, you see, is an incredible gift, endowment. When I was born and began to speak, I heard it from the very youngest days. Something had happened to me. Somehow I was made a certain way, I had nothing to do with it. I was just the recipient. But when I would speak, I spoke like I had been shot out of a, a cannon. I spoke so fast. I went Say it again. Slow it down more. But when I get excited, I go My words go bang 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 just like, like popping out of them, you know, like popcorn popping. <laughs> and so my mom and my dad said, you've got to learn to speak slow. We're in the South. <laughs> and so I began to listen, learn to speak slowly. It didn't work very well. I didn't know how. Matter of fact, My speech was so fast that I didn't finish a sentence. I couldn't finish the sentence. I was speaking before I started the next one. I'd get three words out of one sentence and start the next sentence. It was kind of a phenomenon, the way I was speaking. And when I they, they called it stuttering, but it wasn't, in fact, the kind of stuttering that we think about stuttering. It was a different form of it it was that you get a word started and you can't finish it because you have another words pushing it out of the way and you're going to, you're, then you're going to, I just did it. You're going to go on and go know. You're going to, you see what I'm saying? You begin to get words pressed out of one track into the next sentence or the next paragraph and you get all this, this ellipsis, this great chasm here between that word and the next word and you get all this to fill in and it wasn't filled in because I've already jumped A hundred and something words ahead. (laughs) So it belabored me, and so it made me not want to speak publicly. Or and I was tolerated. My family loved me. Uh, We were poor. We didn't even think about seeing how uh, somebody could help me. Uh, We could afford it if we had found somebody that could have. And so I went to school. Went. Now, grades are no problem. Were are never a problem because I could read so fast. I was reading at four years old, reading books. And so that was a little fast, too. But at words, I could absorb them. I could see them and get the concept and absorb them and could read. I read the World Book Encyclopedia all the way through when I finished the third and fourth grade. I could consume it. I read, I read them every day. I read the Bible through by the third grade. I consumed it. Anything You've seen this robot that goes reading. I was kind of like that. I can relate to that robot. It was just a, but the problem is nobody understood me. And because of that, I made good grades. I, 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 that's why I began to pursue science and mathematics and physics, anything where my speech was not as essential to do. I avoided social studies where you had to explain things <laughs> and talk. You, you understand the reason for it. I didn't want to be embarrassed as a kid. And so I'm, seek, I'm seeking a, a, a way of expressing myself in a way. You know, I have not told the story to a church, I don't think, ever. But it's, it has to do with the subject of speech. And everybody has deficits. And so I'm in a senior year. I'm going to be in nuclear physics. I've been studying nuclear science since I was in the eighth grade. Wow. I've, I, I'm into it. I'm big time into it. I read, I, I, I devour anything I can read on the nuclear world. I want to be a, a nuclear scientist, a physicist. That was my aspirations. In the eleventh grade, I've got a scholarship. At the end of the tenth grade, i got a Scholarship to go to a university to study mathematics, to skip the last years of school, go right on in. My mom and dad were not fascinated by that idea (laughs) and told me, no, you're not doing it. You're only 15 years old. You are not going to the university and living away from us and be under those people. They didn't trust them. I don't blame them. I didn't like it. But I stayed in the advanced classes in math in high school and took my college math there in the high school. I didn't have to worry about speaking. I can just do the abstract things. And then something happened to me when I turned 17. I'm a year ahead of everybody else in school and I'm I'm graduating and something happened. I went to a Pentecostal church. <laughs> that was no mistake. But it was, an, it was a moment of exasperation because I, would, I refused to go with my mom and dad to where they wanted to go to church that night. I'm not going. I'm 17 having my way. They said, well, will you... If we don't go to my church, where would you go? Take me across town to that Assemblies of God church. I had no idea why I said that. (laughs) But they had a rock star musician I'd heard about. And I loved rock and roll. And so I I want to go there to hear him sing. I didn't tell them that. So I go there and he's at this concert going. And he starts singing about the Lord and the wonders of God and the relationship with God. And I begin to tremble and shake. My dad's sitting next to me, and I I took his knee and shook his knee. He said, What's wrong? I said, "I, I can't sit here. I'm about three rows from the front where dad put me. I'm shaking, I'm disturbed. Get me out of here. No, he said, this is your choice. You made us come here. <laughs> and he says, but what do you want to do? Now, he's in the middle of this concert. I said, I just stood up in the middle of his song. And I run to the front and fell down and began to cry out to God. And when I did that, the music kept playing. They didn't stop it. They acted like that was just a normal thing in their services. Matter of fact, I later learned that that was the first night that the rock star was going to do his first sermon ever, and he didn't want to do it. So he's going to play on. <laughs> and I was on the floor for two hours. And I became a holy roller. I was crying out to God to forgive me, forgive me for everything. It just flooded me. And I was crying out. And I, I got so excited, I began to just actually roll, his, roll there, bang my head against the floor. I had such a sore head the next day but I didn't care because something was happening to me beyond science, something beyond mathematics, something beyond physics, something was happening to me beyond the physical world. I was being introduced to the spiritual world and spiritual reality, and and I was absolutely blown away by what I was experiencing, and I could see the fascinating light. like My eyes closed. I could see the brilliance of light filled my heart, my mind, my soul. It was like I was in a sunburst. And I began to speak in tongues. I didn't ever want that one. I never wanted that. I mean, that's not what I would. I never asked for that. And I began to speak in tongues fluently. There was a rough, rough juvenile delinquent we called him those days. I wouldn't hang around him because he was violent. He carried a gun. He was in my high school. He carried knives. He'd kill you. He's nearly killed several people. He shot at people, but he he didn't kill them. And there he is in that meeting, too. He didn't want to be there either. (laughs) But he went to the rock concert. And when he saw me go down there in the front, I didn't know this until later. He did, too. And he gave his life to the Lord, became a missionary in Columbia, South America, spent his whole career there in Columbia, South America, practically, came back and and retired in North Carolina. where He's retired there today with his wife. This thing is phenomenal. But I couldn't speak when I got up. I mean, I couldn't speak. I could pray in tongues fluently. But I still could not get the English language going right. I was still too fast. Two cutting off the words, not finishing a word before I started the next one or the next sentence or the next paragraph. And two weeks later, God called me to preach. I didn't like that. I didn't really. It was nervous for me because it, it happened, and I want to go through the story because it, it took three manifestations of the Holy Spirit to me in three different locations for that to take place, three prophecies from people who didn't know me. On different locations before it it dawned on me, I'm called. I mean I, I was I was afraid of that. Now my question is how can I do this? I can't speak. So I finished high school that that semester, graduated and went on as a seventeen year old to college. And I got into I was required to take a speech class by an Episcopalian woman. And I had put on there in my application the reason I want to take speech because God's called me to preach. And so I'm in the speech class, just newly started, I delivered my first little talk. It's only about 30 seconds. And she gave me an F. And so next week I had to do another one. And she gave me an F. I've never made an F in my life except in typing. (laughs) That was actually a D. And so she she comes to me and says, you need to stop thinking about being a preacher, a a, a minister. It's not for you. And she said, let me help you get some placement. Your speech is not going to correct well um, where you are now. So let me just guide you into the, what, what else do you like to do? I told her physics, mathematics. And she says, and I said, but that's not what I'm supposed to do anymore. I have no desire to do it anymore. I've lost my desire for that. That's where I've aimed at since I was middle school. I'm going to preach. Because God called me. And if he called me, somehow he'll make it happen. And she said, you mean that, don't you? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I want you to meet me every day at 4 o'clock in the speech therapy laboratory. I'm going to test you, and then we're going to find out what's wrong, and we're going to fix it if it's possible so you can preach. And so I went to speech therapy classes with her alone, 4 o'clock. She talked to me about Socrates. She said, Socrates has the same, had the same problem you got. Your thought processes are far accelerated beyond the ability of your tongue to carry out the messages of your brain to speak in a normal way. And all you need is a metronome. What's a metronome? It's what you put on a piano to keep your time. Bing, bing, bing. She said, I want you to join the debate team for the college. And I am one of the coaches. And she said, you are going to speak at a metronome level. So you can be heard and convey your ideas. Now I joined the speech. I joined the. I kept going to speech therapy and learned a lot of things to do to control the speech. But I learned. She would teach me. She said, put your finger in your pocket and do a circle, a rhythmic circle. And speak according to that twisting or the spinning of your finger in your pocket. At that pace, that becomes your metronome. You put it in your hand in a pocket. every time you speak, your hand goes into its pocket. and then you start turning, just turning, turning, and you begin to speak at that cadence. And, and then she said, "If you can't do that, walk. Your feet follow a cadence. If you can't do that, use your hands. (laughs) And your feet. (laughs) And spin. (laughs) So when I speak, you ever notice I kind of move things around? I move around. Because the moving around gives me the cadence to deliver the speech in my mouth, in my mind that God has placed there to hear. And I learn to speak by walking around and dancing and jumping and leaping and clapping and all of those things that makes a Pentecostal a Pentecostal. <laughs> Can I revert? Yes, I can. (laughs) But I don't plan to. (laughs) It's a gift. We're endowed with it. Some take it for granted. Some are losing it Monday in surgery. Some never could get it together quite well as I was one of those. But God gave us the ability to speak His very words. He also gave us the freedom to speak our very own words. And there lies the contest. It's easier to speak the very words of man than it is the very words of God. Yeshua Jesus said when you come well when you come to Jerusalem to the temple do not do as the pagans do when they're praying they use many words learn how, Yeshua says bite your tongue Ecclesiastes, I think it's chapter 5, it says, when you go to the temple, bring few words with you. Why? Because it's easier to speak your words than God's words. And, And when you pray, do not pray as the pagans pray, with many words, flowery words, long words, compounded words, do not do as they do. Be precise, concise, deliberate, intentional, non-repetitive, because God can hear you once and that's enough. A woman came to my house with her husband for counseling last year, marriage counseling, and I'm not pastoring anymore. I'm, I don't counsel, counsel anymore if I can avoid it. Because 90% of the people I counsel never get better. You wouldn't fly an airplane with a pilot like me, would you? 90% failure. But because the problem with counseling is that people don't want to change. They want others to change. And now I'm talking to ministers, right? Yeah. yeah, okay. You understand what I'm saying here, okay. Yeah. But that came to me and, and I listened to them for that hour or so and let them just do their yelling and bickering and accusing back and forth. And I always take the woman's side. I just take it automatically as default. I, the man will say, Han, yeah, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I always take the woman's side because she said, "Pastor, you're really good. You're, you're really good." <laughs> so you don't you don't want to come to me for counseling because I'm gonna take the woman's side. <laughs> Men are brain dead. I mean, but really, there's a, when we're born, when a male is being decided by God, what's gonna be the fetus will be a male or a female. If it's gonna be a Male, God allows an acidic wash to go across the brain and millions and millions and millions of neurons are divided and burned up. Boys are born brain damaged. But it makes them fearless. Adventurers, conquerors, warriors, mighty men of God because they're not afraid of the enemy. A woman will say, hmm, not sure about that. But I I saw her at a, I was visiting a a church. She was happening in that church with her husband. She comes over to me. I'm sitting at the back because I'm not wanting to be kind of noticed. And and I'm sitting at the back. And she walks over and says, after the end of the service, says, Pastor Ed, are you still praying for me? I said, no. (laughs) She said, "You're, you're not praying for me? I said, no, I've already prayed for you. And God heard me. He doesn't need me, and I was sincere when I prayed, and I was in earnest when I prayed, and he doesn't need me to be repetitious. She went, hm. walked away. That's okay. I'm not pastoring anymore. I can do that. <laughs> now I'm not advising that to you who are pastoring. <clears throat> but speech is an endowment of God. And what you do with your speech, you have the choice. Of what you do with it. And because of that choice, we are bent towards the wrong decisions. Trouble brews when we're not speaking the very words of God. And most of the time we don't, or if ever do. And therefore, we are brewing problems constantly in a cauldron of words, and it's steaming and boiling over on the stove because and it is spilling on the floor because our words are harmful. So, but yes, it's a gift of God, freedom, of choice. What are you going to do with it? Now, here's the beauty: we've all got deficits. And speech is one of them. It may not be a deficit like I had, and still have. But you have deficits. You have your deficits in relationships, mainly, and how you relate to others, relate to God, relate to others. Matter of fact, I heard listen to, listen to the prophetic tonight. Most of us dealing with deficits. Did you notice that most people are talking about deficits in our lives? I got good news for you. It's good news to me. First of all, Adam, chapter 2, for second creation account, did not need any spiritual gifts. Why? Because he's made in the image and likeness of God. He already has them all. And his speech, what was his speech like? It was like God speaking. So he speaks to God and God speaks to him. It's like God's speaking. Even when he speaks to the, the, the woman, it's like God is speaking. And when she speaks to him, it's like God is speaking. But when sin came through speech, by raising questions, Because words are battleships at war. And when the enemy steps up and starts questioning, raising a question, raising a doubt, our words will follow the influence. And it was a short time that she eats of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then her husband does the same. And we've never been the same. We've been in deficit ever since. And something awful happened to humanity. All these deficits began to pop up immediately where the Spirit of God had, had freedom in every decision. Now it's not so free anymore. There are, there are gifts of the Holy Spirit to believers. They are not for ceremonies They're not given for the purpose of ritual. They're not given for the purpose of fulfilling doctrinal statements. The gifts of the Spirit are given because we have deficits. And a gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift and a manifestation in order for us to overcome a deficit in our lives that God has recognized we agree with that deficit, and God says, I'm going to let my Holy Spirit in you fill that deficit, that void, and you are going to exercise these gifts I give you, but they're optional. You may work in a gift for a while, but then again, you may not. It's not optional just like speech is optional to speak the very words of God or not. And the first Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, in that part of the Bible, you'll see many gifts are listed there. You'll see it also listed in Romans. A number of gifts of the Spirit are listed as well. And listen, I have seen people filled with by God's Spirit, and I've seen them begin to manifest these gifts, these endowments of the Spirit, to make up for the deficit in their lives, and they get proud about it. Have you ever seen that? Really? Really, you've seen it too? Of course we've seen it. We're human beings. We start misusing the gifts for our advantage. I said, you know what we do as Gentiles? I'm not talking about Jews now. I'm talking about Gentiles do this. We get a truth, and then we package it, for us. To, to see what it will do for us. What benefit do I get out of this gift? It was meeting a deficit, first of all, where you couldn't fix it yourself, but now that that deficit is being repaired and fixed by the gift of the Spirit, now we want to package it and make some doctrines out of it. The doctrine is this. You're messed up. The doctrine is, God will fix it. That's the bottom line. So when you have these gifts, listen to it. Why do you need the gift of the word of wisdom? Because you don't have it. Why do you need the gift of the word of of knowledge, because we're idiots without it. We're spiritual idiots. It's a deficit in us. So you, you don't you don't you don't brag about the gifts. The, the gifts are telling you what you really like. You're not wise. You're not. You think you got knowledge, you don't really have it. You think you know? You don't. So, I mean, this is this is a commentary about what we ought to be but do not function like this unless the Holy Spirit shows up and we surrender all. Yeah. Yeah. To another's faith. Why do you need a spiritual gift of faith because you don't have it? Why do you need gifts of healings? Plural because you're broken. Everybody in the world around us is broken. Yeah. Wherever brokenness is, we, are, we should be there repairing it, fixing it with gifts of healings, operating in our lives. But it's not, wow, did you see him put his hand on that person, that person fall over and got up and they're, they're, they're healed. Look, I want him to pray for me. Wrong. That person didn't do it. I have preached revivals when the Holy Spirit poured out over the whole congregation and, and, and people were lying in the aisles like cordwood and you had to step over them and they would be there for five, six hours. I've, I've been in that flow like that. In the same kind of meetings, somebody would say, Put your hand on me, please, and pray so I can be healed. I wasn't praying. You get, and and they get, if they get healed, somebody else says, Would you do the same thing for me? I can't do the same thing for you. I didn't do anything there. You know, Simon Simon the sorcerer wanted to purchase the gifts of the Spirit with money. Do show business. Give him a tent revival and go someplace. You know what I'm saying? Because he saw them laying hands on people and them speaking in tongues. Listen, laying hands on people doesn't do anything for you or that person except one thing. There is no transfer. I know it's taught. We we take a doctrine and doctor it up with Gentile philosophy and say, there's a transfer. I'm going to transfer it to you. Bang, You you got it now. Well, good, thank you. Got it now. It's not transferred. It's not transferable. Because it wasn't yours to start with. It's a gift to you because you were already in deficit. How can one beggar help another beggar? The gift of healings, you see, is the natural state of humanity before sin. You didn't need healings. You were already well. You had divine health. But my hand won't heal anybody. The Hebrew word, there's three Hebrew words for laying on of hands. I'm going to use one of them. It is sum, S-U-M, sum. And what I'm going to do is where you put your hand on the head, the forehead. Now, there are people that think when you put the hand on the forehead that the healing is transferred somehow by the, by the one laying out of hands in the person or they speak in tongues or whatever manifestation occurs. They think it's in them. And, they, and they, if, they don't, it doesn't, if you don't do right, I'll just put you down. But sum, Hebrew word sum, does not mean push nor press. It means to lightly touch. Were you there today? Uh-huh. You heard this already? Yes. You heard it today? Yes. So you know what I'm going to do? Yes. Were you there today? Were you there today? Good. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, Benjamin, Reuben, Judah. <laughs> I'll get to you yet, but it's Benjamin, right? Okay. I'm going to show you what laying hands does. The word "soon." When you lay hands on the sick, soon. When you lay hands for people to be, you know, to impart a word, soon. Uh, prophecy so now i'm going to show you something this is what actually happens when you put the hand on the forehead benjamin i have just done something to you i have arrested your ears your focus now has to be on what i am going to say so the impartation is not the laying out of hands Something transferring through here. It is speech. The one thing that separates us from animals. And when you speak and prophesy, you humanize people. You take people who've been broken and hurting and you humanize them. That's what prophecy does it strengthens, encourages, and comforts. Read 1 Corinthians 14. You humanize people, you don't make them, you don't glorify them. Only God can do that but you humanize them. You bring them out of the deficits. And if I, in this position right here, Benjamin can hear me. I'm not doing anything to him. There's nothing fascinating going on, but I've arrested the front lobe of his, of his brain where, he, where you can focus. You put your hands there. You, when you're studying hard, you do this. Don't you? Instinctively, you do this. Why? Because you're trying to arrest your thinking processes. That's what laying on hands does. That's why if a person can hear, I can prophesy from here to you. But if you are not got the consciousness or the awareness to listen to what I'm saying, i put my hand right here on you. and says, the Lord says to you. You see what I'm saying? Let's take the mystique and the mysticism and the stuff that's Gentile stuff out of it. And let's stay with the subject. The subject is the impartation of the word of God by human speech, speaking the very words of God through another because the very words of God through human speech will light up the life of the person that's hearing it if they receive it. It's the breath of God. Exactly. And you're to give them the, breath. the breath of God. Well, they already have the breath of God in them, but you're resting the brain to be able to be focused on the godlikeness that they have in order, in order that they may begin to hear impartation. Paul says, I desire to come and impart to you, to the Romans. I've been eagerly waiting to come and impart to you Well, what's He going to do? He's going to speak to them. Because it's in the tongue. It's in the power of the tongue where it is speaking the very words of God that transformation occurs and the ears hear. Let him who hears hear the very words of God. It's about hearing. You see what I'm saying? So, you no. Know, the, the well you can because you're not supposed to lie. You, you don't deceive. You don't manipulate. But we do. We got deficits. We got people running around that you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That are that are charlatans. Yeah. And they're using the breath that God gave them to do their own program. But what I'm saying to you, the breath of God in you is so powerful. Not only does it give you life. Think about that. It gives you life. How powerful is that? It makes the inanimate animate. It's the resurrection power in the tongue of God. And the word is it's a, it's a, it's this, it's this simple. I have seen miracles all my life. I've seen pe- I've even seen people raised from the dead. But I'm not going around raising people from the dead because I don't have that gift. I only have the gift of breath, of God's breath. And to harness that, that is to let my simple understanding of things get out of the way and just listen. Listen. That song we're singing tonight, I want to, hear God's, I, don't, I can't remember the words, I want to listen. I want to hear every word you speak. I want to hear every word you speak. Quiet my heart. I'm listening. I mean, I told you, when I was singing, I said, that I'm going to talk about tonight. But you see what I'm saying? So when I'm speaking to you right now, I'm doing, my, I'm doing what I can do humanly to raise your humanness your consciousness of your humanity and the awesomeness of it. You're endowed already with speech, but because of the deficits caused by sin, lack of wisdom, lack of understanding, lack of faith, lack of being able to fix things broken, discernment um, um, of spirits, oh, we're so stupid. We are without God, but he helps us He helps us fill that deficit and gives us a gift to discern between what is true and false, authentic and genuine, and that against which is not. Gives us that discernment. And tongues. Why do we need tongues? Because the world's had our tongue too long. And so he lets us speak in the spiritual language of Adam. Speaking in tongues is recovering what was lost. Can all speak in tongues? Absolutely all can speak in tongues. That is the most primitive way of speaking from the most ancient times. That's from the beginning in the garden. Where you speak the very wonders of God. That's what happened the day of Pentecost when they were speaking in tongues. Remember? It says we heard them when it's interpreted. They were speaking the very wonders of God. The wonders. We so, so were speaking the language of Adam or praying in tongues. We were speaking, in tongues. We're, were speaking the language of our spirit. Our human spirit. Which Adam did. Adam spoke out of his human spirit. The woman spoke out of our human spirit. And what this is is the rehumanization of us. And we speak, when we speak in tongues. We, we are able to speak to God we can't speak to others that way because they won't understand. Because they're not there. But we speak to God. That's why Paul says it clearly in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, when we speak in tongues, we speak to God. Because nobody else will understand it. That's why he writes that. It's the recovery, the, 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 the humanizing of speech again, where there is the spirit, the, 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 the spirit of man, the breath of God in us, is... It's not God speaking, it's us energized by God's breath to speak with our breath the very words of God back to Him. The language of... Yes. But we don't, we don't communicate in tongues to each other, we speak to God only because it is our spirit praying. Don't we teach it wrong most of the time? And practice it wrong. Uh, you know, I, now I'm in an organization where they do it wrong most of the time. <laughs> you know, I get up and say, you're doing it wrong. No, because the very words of God are in my speech. I can't say that to them. I can't run around always correcting. Or you'll always be seen as a bad person with, with no influence. You've got to just let them be who they are at times and hope that the light comes on and the void, the deficit is filled someplace. You don't go down and batter people because they don't have the same, there's a deficit in their life. Everybody's got deficits. Everybody can get battered. We need to humanize people by the Holy Spirit to recover what was lost, and the Holy Spirit only can do that for us, and that's why the gifts of the Spirit are what they are. They are filling the holes of deficit in our humanity to make us normal again. Now, I've got to stop (laughs) because I can go on and on and on without, and the Bible says speak very few words, (laughs) and the more you speak, the worse it gets, so I've already done enough damage for tonight. (laughs) How many gifts of the Spirit are there? One for every deficit you've got. That's why there's not a perfect list. There's nine in one place. There's more in another place and more in another place. Because humans have deficits. There is a gift of the Spirit to fill the hole in every hole, every deficit in your life. You let your life... Just, just humble yourself, seek his face, don't worry about it, he will do it. But you humble yourself before him and say, Lord, I, I've got deficits, and, and I can name my deficits, and help me with my deficits. I need wisdom. And he says, if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you liberally. There's no, expir- no excuse for not being wise. If you ask for it, he gives it to you liberally. So, I need understanding. Give me the gift of understanding. Well, are you prepared to study? But I want understanding without study. Sorry. That's another deficit. You lost your wisdom there. You know, study in the Bible was the highest form of worship. Why? Because study is about recovery. The praise is wonderful to God, but we're doing it with the control of our own tongues and language. It's necessary. It brings us into his presence. It brings us to his presence, but in his presence, it is the study of the word of God, is worship. And that's where the deficits are being filled. It's where the understanding comes. It's where the wisdom flows. It's called a word of wisdom. A word of understanding speech. Father, we all bring our deficits to you now. We all have them. And we know that, uh, that when you sent your son Yeshua, Jesus, to us, you sent him to bring us back to a full humanity. He's the second Adam to us. He's our elder brother. And he's declared himself as the second Adam. We declare him that way tonight to bring us back into our humanity where we function and think and act with the, the gifts and the powers that you've given to us innately. But we can't do them alone innately because they've been marred and trampled upon. and We've got all, all kinds of distortions in our lives because of things that have happened to us and that, that have made traces on our brains and memory tracks, and, and we have a hard time with those things. So we ask for your compassion that you would give to us tonight the gifts that we need tonight to fill in the holes of our deficits. And we know it comes through humility in you, before you. We know it comes in receiving what you offer and not pushing it back. In the name of your son, your eternal son, Yeshua, Jesus, we ask. Amen. It's been late. Kids are crying, screaming sometimes. Parents need to respond to that. They know the voice of their child. That's good and that's proper. But what I'm going to say to you, some of you want to come. Come on and bring your deficits to the front. Because when you come anyway, you're bringing them anyway. Just go ahead and get up. Come on in. Because when you walk up there, your deficits are walking with you. But begin to recognize them and realize that he wants to rehumanize you to your full humanity, make you into a new humanity, a new person. Whatever your need is, there is a gift of God's spirit for you. Father, stretch forth your hand upon these leaders. They have so many things pulling on them every day. And they know their own faults. They know their own failures. They know their own feelings. And they struggle with that, and they've got to be a good word to other people, and, and they have doubts. There's things that we don't understand. And I ask you to help these leaders here, to grapple with life, their own lives, and the lives that they're to serve. With wisdom, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, with faith, with the working of healings, the working of powers, the sermon of spirits, the sermon of human spirits, with tongues and interpretation, with gifts of helping others, with gifts of administration. And all the many gifts that your Spirit gives to us in the areas we lack the most. In the name of your Son, we ask. Though we bring few words, we bring all we are to you. I just want to hear the words you speak. I just want to hear what you say. For there's life in your words. Where else can we go but to you? Holy, Godose Godos Godos. Holy, 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 Godose Godos Godos. Holy, holy, holy are you. Holy is your name, holy are your ways, past human understanding. Grant unto us the revelation of your presence, the revelation of your presence of your spirit in us and the breath we breathe your breath borrowed on loan from you fill us with your spirit renew us refresh us to be fully human living the life in yeshua and messiah as he the second adam and we of his descent, his, his, his brothers and sisters. Hallelujah.
0: Well, I ask uh, Dr. Nelson, did I hear it right? And I know I, I've known that Matthew chapter seven horrifies me, and and I've known for different why, but I haven't known the 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 complete reason that I'm so horrified by Matthew chapter 7. And there's these people running around saying, didn't we prophesy in your name? We spoke in your name. Didn't we cast out devils in your name? He said, I never knew you. And he confirmed it was because they was taking the very breath of God and using it for them. First, when he started talking, when he started talking about bracketing and the Hebrew speaking back and forth, that popped in my head. I had to ask him, and I had to tell you, because God gives me such. When he's here, I start it starts popping in my little old brain. It does. It just it just sets me on a path that I don't normally get to go on when he starts doing the professor thing, and that's what I need to to get these synapses and uh, getting you know that's what I need. And, and I heard it, it's clear, and I'm even more horrified of this scripture. If we're going to finish strong, we're going to use the breath of God for God yes. and not us. And not, it ain't going to be no man glory anymore. It's going to be God's glory. You're not going to steal his glory through a gift that he gave to you because you were so deficit. How can you brag about that? Oh, I was an idiot, but I have a word of wisdom now. <laughs> and I, get, I didn't give it to myself. <laughs> God gave it to me. So you can't brag about that. And it just spoke to me. I, 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 I'm going to tell you, I wish we had 10 more nights of this. I, I really appreciate you studying and hearing the Spirit of God and bringing what we need and filling the gaps that we need filled so we can be on the right place. We don't want to be normal Gentiles. Right. That's right. You understand. Not here. Uh, we don't want to be famous either. We just want to be famous in heaven. We want to be obscure like what God told us to be. Uh, so I can't tell you how grateful I am for your friendship. The fact that you love Mexican food is even a kicker. Come on, sir. Get some pictures. Hold it down in front of you, low. Yeah, yeah. Right, We'll hold it up. Now hold it down here. Now hold it down here. Yeah, like right there. Y'all take pictures. <laughs> oh, <you've been> holding. <laughs> Greatest picture in the world. I love this. Because <laughs> we are... Twins on Mexican food. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Put it down a little bit. See your face. Amen. But I'm grateful to you. How many of y'all are grateful for Dr. Nelson? Yeah. We're talking about a lifetime of study. Right. Since he was 17 years old and he's 74, that he's just dumping on us freely. He loves us enough. He just flows it out on us. And that just tells me God loves us because we're hungry. I'm so I, he preached me more hungry. He didn't preach me full. Just made me hungrier. What's that word? Hinemi. How Hey, say it? Hinemi? Hinini. I like the way you did it. Hinini. That was funny. Because, you know, I, I've done that before, but I didn't know that word. How I, I, I many when God arrested some of you to preach, you felt, you know, I'd been a cop, so I felt like the Holy Ghost handcuffed me. I felt like God arrested me that night. I went, okay, okay, I'll do it, okay. But people are going to make fun of me. I said it out loud. People are going to make fun of me because I was such a heathen. I just said it frustrate, but I gave up. Amen. And I could see me giving up when you did that. Janine. How many of y'all did that, had to give up like that? God or just arrested you. I, I, anybody's called, that's got to be the way it is. Because it's never our idea to put up with the junk you have to put up with to be in the ministry. Amen. Amen. It's just not a great human idea. It's, you know. Here we go. I just
9: have to thank everybody um, for letting me speak to you. Because as I told you when I started, I'm just going to walk up here. I'm going to open the text at Genesis, look at the true, true creation accounts, and see where it goes. Now it, it, it could go a lot of ways, but I did have a direction by the Lord to to mention speech, to talk about speech. But outside of that, that was it. But 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 I felt like if we can. See, in the in the ancient days, in the Bible times, people went for hours.
0: Paul all night. All night Eutychus falls out the window. Yes, that's right. and,
9: And not saying to recover those days because we got babies and children and school and work. But I but I am and schedules to keep. But I am saying there is something about when I'm allowed to come here with this fellow right here who says, just do it. Whatever. I'm hungry. Yeah, and, and that makes a huge difference because it, it makes me more apprehensive in one sense because I'm saying, Lord, I've got to make sure I'm speaking to the hearts of the people, not something I've previously prepared just for the preparation of a delivery. I can do the, a delivery, but I, that's not what I like. I enjoy just being spontaneous, you know. And and you're such a wonderful audience, you're a wonderful friend friends, to allow me the privilege of coming and being free of who I am in the Lord. And I just want to thank you for that. It's a privilege to come.
0: Thank you. I'm still how do you spell Hanini? Ah, okay, I put all these. Hanini. You've seen your kids look like that before. Okay, okay. Are your grandkids? (laughs) Hanini. That is such a good word. Oh my God, I have felt that so many times. Know this, that we've had a deposit in us tonight. Let's take that deposit and and think about it tonight. Okay, uh, Father God, we thank you tonight, Lord. We thank you for the impartation that we have heard, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that it will uh, begin to continue to grow in us, Lord. That we will that we will receive everything that you have for us, Lord. In this, and Lord, I just pray over uh, everyone here, Lord, as they travel and tomorrow, Lord, I just pray for the. For the Holy Ghost to move and to have liberty in this house, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for salvations and miracles and whatever you want to do, Lord. Lord, that we're here, Lord, and available, Lord, to to be your hands and feet, God. And just to see you move to be in your presence. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.